It's pretty crazy, though, isn't it? I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I had a dream, a dream about you, baby. Hello, and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, I'm really excited to share a conversation I recently had with Kyla Tova, a fellow podcaster, former health coach, and current thinker and feeler about complicated human things. We get pretty inside baseball about marketing and feminism, but to me, the most interesting, important part of this conversation is about what happens when people are the product instead of being people. We'll dive in in just a moment. No, you can find all past and future episodes of this show on yogafortherevolution.org. Sign up for the newsletter. Find me on social media as Yoga for the Revolution. In this episode, we talk about vulnerability and mental illness. And do know as you move forward that Kyla mentions briefly her past experience with thoughts of suicide. Just something I thought you should know up front. I do hope you tune in. This is part of a really important conversation about community and social media. And without further ado, my conversation with Kyla Tova. Cool. So uh, I am Kyla, going by my middle name now, so Kyla Tova. And I was a health coach. Uh, I am a burlesque dancer and uh, I was a marketer. And now I'm hopefully going to be going back to school for PhD in media studies. Uh, And I'm starting a podcast. The podcast is called Your Body, Your Brand. The website is Body Brand Pod. (laughs) But yeah, I'm starting a podcast that's looking at the ways and in which we use our bodies as our brands in this weird social media world. The podcast is about why women drop out of the workforce to become yoga teachers, to become health coaches, to become beach body consultants. And so the there's a part of the the narrative is about eating disorders and a part of the narrative is about white privilege and a part of the the narrative is it's about all of that but in reality what the narrative is about is is about work is broken women are noticing women are leaving and our only option is to do this thing which is the hamster wheel <laughs> you know and so my my goal is to kind of Because after we talked, then I started talking to other people and hearing in their stories, oh, my God, even though they're talking about weight and even though they're talking about body positivity and even though they're talking about diversity, what they're really talking about is I left my job because. And it was really interesting to hear that part of the conversation. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting. uh, Well, it is an interesting pivot, and I'm very excited about it. When we talked last, one of the things we talked about was you know, that it feels like one of the only options to fall back on is to somehow sell yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Or sell your body in some way or sell that, you know, and how, how, what I find particularly interesting is, okay, cool. This structure doesn't work for me. What are my options? And then to be left with the options that are left are weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or if we created them ourselves, it's this is so interesting because I talked recently on the show about the danger of the hustle mm-hmm. and how like the hustle is like glittery and pink and gorgeous and like unicorn latte driven <laughs> and yeah. cool. That's empowering. But also, is it <laughs> aren't we saying we all need 12 jobs in order to live? Like, how is that adorable? Mm-hmm. 
you know, tell me why that should have me jumping over a rainbow of empowerment. It's, it's mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating to have your options be either buy into this corporate patriarchal structure mm-hmm. or good luck and, yeah. you know, use your feminine wiles to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird place to be, too. Yeah. But there isn't a way out because we exist in this system. So we that's what... And that's that's the thing that's frustrating to me is it's like, well, what are, what are your options? You know, like, go be a school teacher. Good luck. <laughs> you can either be in the corporate world. And so it's so it's interesting. So my fiance and I have been having this conversation a lot because I've been trying to talk through the story of my podcast, but also the story of my career because I have to figure that shit out. So we've been having this conversation and uh, I actually I decided I'm going back to school to get a Ph.D. in this, essentially. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, my my goal is to study uh, media studies or communications, uh, specifically looking at media literacy around authenticity online. But one of the things that I'm most interested in looking at is the ways in which women's work is constructed as less than and the way that we message empowerment. It's always centered around men's work. And what I mean by that, and of course, this is so binary and so reductive that like, obviously, take that with a grain of salt, right? But right now, the message is Goldilocks and women in STEM. And we need more CEOs that are women and women taking back the workplace after Me Too. And all of these like women need to be in high power roles that involve more work, right? Women need to be doing things that are analytical, things that are that are based on making money, Right. When in reality, women are dropping out of the workforce, and this is kind of the the conclusion that my podcast comes to and the story that I'm going to be presenting, women are dropping out of the workforce to go into health roles, to care roles, things that don't get paid if you're doing it through the system, right? You, you can't be a, a nurse or a teacher or a social worker and get paid, but you can be a health coach and get paid, right? Because you're still presenting in this capitalist, hustle-based, work-focused culture, as a, but you're still able to get into the care role, right? Um, there's actually a study that just came out. My fiance just sent it to me. I have to find it. Hold on. I have it up somewhere. Um, yeah, it's called the gender equality paradox in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics education. They literally just did a study and they found that in cultures that have more equality, women who have more capability in STEM choose not to go into STEM because they don't have to, (laughs) right? When you have more equality, women don't have to do things they don't want to do. And again, super reductive because what is a woman, what, you know, whatever. But like the point is people don't go into care roles when they have to make money in a society that privileges making money, you know, that privileges inequality. So, yeah. So super interesting. That's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with uh, this uh, area of the research right now. So. Oh, my God. A movie comes to mind and it's from the 80s and it's Diane Keaton. She's an she was a businesswoman, and then I don't know something happened like her sister passed away and left her a baby mm. and then it's just basically all about that duality of like can she be a businesswoman and a mom and I feel like I'm so exhausted by that trope mm-hmm. or that conversation because it's been going on for so long but the way you just described the structure and the kind of work 
and the kind of fields that are valued mm-hmm. and the way women are being quote unquote empowered to do those roles is very much the same as it was in the 80s in terms yep. of put on your business suit with shoulder pads mm-hmm. and go be a man. And, and then you can be a man too. We can all be men. Yes, that's exactly the problem is that we're privileging this money. And it really, I think the 80s are this turning point for our culture. The 80s are what led to the internet becoming what it is. You know what I mean? Like we needed the internet in order to take the 80s and put it into hyperdrive, yeah. if you will. Um, because to be in a society that is that focused on capitalism and on making money, t- to have this tool that we got as a result at the end of it, right, in the 90s, it just it complicated everything but made it so much easier to make money um, and made it so much easier to silence all the other things that weren't based around the Internet, that weren't based around making money. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just it's allowed us to continue that drive towards mas- hyper-masculinity, towards technology, towards removing feeling from everything and care from everything. And, you know, I mean, wasn't the point of technology to help people shorten their work days and have more leisure time? And instead, we've used technology to work harder, to to make our lives more stressful. We're, we're constantly connected to our phones. We're co- and it's all about making money. And isn't that the American way, though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there's something imbued. And I don't know when this happened. I don't know if this was 200 years ago or 20 years ago. But isn't there something woven into the fabric of who we are that says you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and working hard is the answer to all Mm -hmm. all of our problems? Oh, yeah. And because we're not a caste system, because we're not a feudal system, technically, you know, then, then ostensibly everyone should be able to work hard, make money and live the American dream. And that I feel has gotten twisted to such a place that those ideals somehow are still valued, even though the system in place doesn't actually allow for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Because the, the divide, as we all know, is getting broader and broader and broader and broader. And so the people who don't have Mm -hmm. can't, can't, cannot Mm. You know, we were just talking about that, right? You can work three jobs. You can work 12 jobs. There are people who are working a million jobs and not making enough money, not making the same money that someone who was raised in a more privileged position can make, you know, Mm -hmm. without trying too hard. And and that that's not the American dream somewhere that broke. But we still got the painted picture of it Mm -hmm. that we're also attached to. And I wonder if, and if this is going too far off track, let me know, but I wonder if this dovetails into the quest for authenticity on social media. Oh, uh, 100%. So here's the interesting thing. So I am reading this book by a professor at USC Annenberg, uh, Sarah Benet Weiser. It's called Authentic, uh, Authentic TM. And it's really like it is analytical research based. Like it's not a quick, fun, you know, layman's read. Um, however, that being said, I'm quite enjoying it. And she basically perfectly elucidates all the things that have been going on in my head, all these like questions that I've had, because I've been fighting against the idea of, of personal brand. I think that is an oxymoron. We are commoditizing everything. Everything is a commodity. Everything is capital. Everything is money, Um, including our personal lives now. Social media has made it 100% possible for us to be 
completely commoditized and we don't even know what the product is anymore. Um, the product is just ourselves. Authenticity can't be real because it's a commodity. When we start to look at our lives as, you know, we, we have to constantly be presenting, if not a highlight reel, then at least a, a best of, you know what I mean? Like just the, we, we have to perform Mm -hmm. for each other. When we start viewing our lives as this performance because we're commodities, we're no longer acting like people. We're no longer acting like people. We're acting like brands. And brands are not people. Brands are horrible. I mean, I I hate to say that with such definitive Mm -hmm. confidence, but as someone who's worked in advertising for so long... uh, a brand is a collective of people. Everyone in there is a person, but it's not, no one's best self is coming to work for a brand. Maybe I shouldn't say no one, but mm-hmm. I would, I'm pretty confident in saying that most people are not bringing their best selves at the service of a product. Mm-hmm. Where people are bringing their best selves, hopefully, is in human relationship. Yeah. But when it's in service of a product or a click or a like or a what a share or whatever, it gets super corrupted and maniacal. Even you know, even in the last five years or so, when authenticity started to be a catchword in advertising, you know, it was all about well, millennials really appreciate authenticity, so yeah. you have to behave more like a person. And Mm -hmm. now people are behaving more like brands and brands are behaving more like people and we're both, neither of us are doing the best we can possibly do. Brands are not great at being people, but they're no longer good at being a brand either. And people are becoming less good at being people as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, so I found this quote from um, the professor's book. Uh, Within contemporary brand culture, the separation between the authentic self and the commodity self not only is more blurred, but this blurring is more expected and tolerated. That is, within contemporary consumer culture, we take it for granted that authenticity, like anything else, can be branded. She's in my brain. She's amazing. I find it interesting. So I've been doing research on all of this stuff. And, um, you know, when you think about it, like a brand represents a company, right? It represents a company and companies, uh, corporations more specifically, are fictitious legal entities, right? So they technically operate as like a, a, an entity, not a person, but a, a singular entity, even if it's run by like many hundreds of people or five people or whatever, right? But most of us, like you and I, like when we're trying to be coaches or teachers or whatever online, we're not corporations. We're not a fictitious legal entity. There is not like law separating you and I from our business, right? If you are a solopreneur, which is a word that needs to die, but if you're one (laughs) of those, you are actually not legally separated from your business. Right. And I think it's a really apt metaphor because you're also not separated from your brand, you know, Um, for you and I. We not we don't just like represent a company. We are the company. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. And and what I think is interesting is that the people who work at companies or corporations are not absolved from that because every individual has a brand, whether they're trying to make financial actual money off of it or profit from it in a in a different kind of way, a social capital kind of way. Because no one is alleviated from that pressure of having a personal brand. 
Mm-hmm. And some people, some some of us who work as solo individuals trying to make a living that way, yes, that is connected to money really directly. But I think it's also always intertwined with social capital in a way that feels really enmeshed and the lines are so porous and and blurred that it is it's challenging I mean when was the last time you met someone who's not on social at all and it happens of course it does I mean especially you know people who are maybe a generation older than us who didn't didn't grow up that way Mm -hmm. who maybe had a harder time adjusting to the world as it exists in the social matrix Mm -hmm. but those people I think also I, they're not because they're maybe not as plugged in, aren't seeing this like weirdness that's happening. That is mm-hmm. just so so challenging to watch and so hard to understand if you're not in it. In terms of being like, well, everything I post is a reflection of me. And if the way yeah. you're talking about it is, if you're a brand and you're you're your own company, you're trying to make money. Everything is then a reflection of your business yep. and your your potential, your your financial opportunities. Yeah. So so here's an interesting quote I just found from uh, from the book as well. So there's a chapter where she's talking about uh, the rise of Tila Tequila on MySpace. Yeah. Um, and how she basically became a celebrity because people followed her. Right. She says the fact that Tequila claims the maintenance of her online brand as a job clearly situates her project as labor. She labors to create and maintain her self brand from this kind of work. Questions inevitably arise. What kind of job is it? Who pays? And for whom does one self-brand? And then later in the chapter, she says, indeed, self-branding is positioned by marketers and brand managers as the proper way, even the necessary way to, quote unquote, take care of oneself in a contemporary advanced capitalist economy. Like that's literally where we're at now. I just got goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. When I literally I'm reading I'm reading this book and I'm just every everything is highlighted (laughs) because it's it's so important and nobody's having this conversation except for academics. Y'all, we got to (laughs) stop and figure out what the solution is, too, because I will say it's easy for me to sit here and be like, okay, well, then let's just stop being a brand. Well, first of all, as soon as you are on social media, you are now in the business of building capital. You just are. Yeah, That's how for that you works or for now. someone else. Yeah. 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 There is there is no separation anymore. Social media used to be a very personal place, right? Like when I first started using social media, it was like live journal, right? It was microblogging. It was all this like stuff for like, you know, for ourselves. And I was I, I was actually thinking about it today. I know this is kind of going all over the place, but I was thinking about it like I miss the early days of blogging when people just wrote stories. I just miss when it was about like building a real community, now I feel like we build communities in order to get onto each other's podcasts, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And then we all have the same six people on each other's podcasts and the people who listen to us then build a brand around the podcast that they just heard and then they start a podcast and suddenly they're trying to make money and build a community so that they can get onto other people's podcasts. You know what I mean? Like it, it just doesn't feel real anymore. Yeah, there's an Ouroboros. Like it's the snake eating its tail for sure. <laughs> that we're, we're all faking it so that we can talk to each other like what it's so we can get in each other's mailing lists it's a yeah. really unusual it's an unusual place to be and I think we live in a world now where recently with the news 
about Cambridge Analytica coming out about Facebook. And, you know, I don't think Mm -hmm. we can let Google off the hook necessarily. Oh, God, no. And, (laughs) you know, I was, okay, is it time? Like, is it time to let go of Facebook? And yeah, Um, your your answer is yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, no, this is part of why I wanted to talk about authenticity. I am getting off of Facebook. Um, I'm not getting fully off of it because unfortunately, as a performer, I am required to be there. And so and in order for me to find out about events or and, you know, there's like I'm in a a musical right now. They are disseminating all information through a Facebook group instead of over email. So I have no choice but to continue to maintain a presence there. However, I'm done. I'm completely finished. And here is why I miss the days when things were allowed to be personal and everything didn't have to be branded. But because I have allowed myself to be vulnerable in a way that isn't staged. It has literally ruined my life and I'm finished. You know, I posted about, so when I, when I first started using Facebook, it was just to post for my friends, right? Yeah. I am a, I'm a scrapbooker. I love saving memories. So when Facebook came out, I was so excited because now I had a digital place to put all of that and a way to share it all. And I loved that part of it. And I know that's weird, right? But I also, I also was a live journaler um, who struggles with undiagnosed, you know, depression. Now it's diagnosed, but at the time it was undiagnosed depression and anxiety and an eating disorder. So having a place to put my thoughts on a page and have somebody hear it meant that I didn't have to go kill myself because I wasn't alone. I know that's triggering. I'm sorry, but like that's a thing that happened, you know? Yeah. That was how I felt. And I have continued to use Facebook in a lot of ways, like my 15-year-old self. And as a result of the world getting closer and closer to personal brand, and first the people who followed me were people who listened to my podcast, and so I kept everything completely public because they were following me, and I felt like I owed them something for following me. So I I have kept my Facebook public. Um, I have put it all out there because the people who followed me, that was their, their thing that they were following. I don't know. It's, it's an exchange of capital, right? It's an exchange of capital. And I I realize this now as a person who, who speaks about media literacy, I still have so much to learn, I guess. But then after I stopped doing the podcast and I got involved in burlesque, now I've got burlesque dancers following me. And so everything is public because in the burlesque world, I have to build a personal brand around burlesque. So now I have people who listen to my podcast and people who did burlesque listening to me. But I'm also, I was a writer for everyday feminism. So now I have people in the feminist world following me. So now everything's public there because I'm trying to build a blog around, you know, feminism or whatever. And then I moved into the marketing world and suddenly there's people from marketing following me. So now I've got like six different worlds, plus my friends from high school and college, plus my family. And then all these people from the theater world who I'm trying to, where I'm trying to move to next, they're all following me on Facebook and everything is public. Right. And all I want is for my friends to be able to just hear me. So I know I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, I have been publishing about my struggles with the fact that I hate marketing and the fact that my my career is a nightmare and student loans in corporate America have ruined my life. And I have allowed that to happen, you know, and I, po- I post about this and I post about the fact that I'm never going to own a home because I can barely make ends meet at this point. And my family got angry and 
I basically stopped talking to half my family. So then I, lo- I lose connection with half my family because of this. And then recently I, I started uh, working on a show and I have a chronic illness and I post about it. And it has made the last two months very difficult for me in terms of performance. And I've posted about my, my struggles about this, about performing and how I've felt like I'm falling behind and how it's, it's been a struggle, right? And I lost a huge performance opportunity as a result. This thing that was supposed to be personal has now become an exchange of capital. And I am so tired of capitalism. I'm so tired of it because the image that I'm supposed to be projecting is one of staged vulnerability or perfect, perfect forward progress. My vulnerability has to be a picture of me crying and like a long post about why mental illness is beautiful or something like that. But then the next seven posts have to be about why I'm also stronger than my story or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that is how that, that works. And unfortunately that's not what I am capable of doing. I'm so tired because I cannot put into this system and not get anything back out of it, if that makes any sense. And then in addition to the Cambridge Analytica shit that's been going on, it's like it's like it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I, I don't know if I want them to know everything anymore because I am not getting out of and anything out of the system anymore. I am the product. And right. my my product is apparently defective in the way that I present it. And so I, I, I can't do it. And I think that it's important to say, it's important for me as a human to just take a deep breath and appreciate what you, all the things you just said. <laughs> I don't want to plow through. I want to acknowledge that like, life is hard and shit's fucked up. So I just want to pause <laughs> and acknowledge that. And then also to say, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What are we here for? And then also to say, it's interesting to think about when we turn ourselves into a product, right, either knowingly or not, contributing to that or naively contributing to it or aggressively contributing to it, however we contribute to it as we do. When you make yourself into a product and that product then doesn't sell, yeah, what does that do to us behind the product, like who are people? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And so, and again, I mean, it goes back to this whole like American dream thing, right? It's like, well, then you're just doing it wrong. You know, you should be doing it a different way. You should be following the, you know, the formula. You should be doing it the way everybody else is. And you would just, you would be a product then that's worth selling. What challenges me the most about the performance aspect and the inauthenticity of it is that when we're talking about our our human health, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about our physical body and our soul and sometimes our spirituality, and you're trying to put that in a pretty package that will sell, I think it's so, so, so dangerous dangerous for a number of reasons, right? It's dangerous because it is privileging certain people over others. It's dangerous because it's teaching people to commoditize their bodies as opposed to actually be in tune with them, even though they're like claiming I'm so in tune with my body on Instagram or whatever. You know, the word empowerment didn't mean individuals. It didn't used to mean individuals, right? The word empowerment was a social justice term about groups. And when you privilege your own body, 
the same for the same reason that the the definition of self care now means lush bath bombs instead of like taking taking a break from activism once in a while and not Twitter activism, but like literally putting your body in the line of fire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everything has been pushed towards commodity, towards individualism, towards capitalism and away from group empowerment, away from actual spirituality and health um, and away from from privileging care work. You know, care work is only is only rewarded when you put your face on it. And that is so shitty to me. And I'm sorry for cursing, but that is just so wrong. I think that's inc- it's an incredibly astute observation, right? Care is necessary for the world to function. Yes. And yet, if I'm reflecting what you're saying correctly, it is mm-hmm. only feasible to make a living doing mm-hmm. that kind of work if you perform it a certain way and look a certain way and brand it a certain way. Yes, that is exactly it. And so wouldn't it be nice if individual teachers or nurses or social workers got paid actual money, even though they are not famous or they're not special or they're not doing B school with Marie Forleo or whatever? You know what I mean? Like these people who literally have people's lives in their hands, get no recognition. I was a high school teacher. I made $35,000 a year. I worked 90 hours a week. I stayed after school with these kids. I did everything. I wrote all of my own curricula. I had no support. I bought all my own school supplies and I burned out after a year. Yeah. Like it was done. But you know, the promise of being a health coach and having my body be the, the, the brand, having people follow me, because I was an expert in this thing that was completely absurd. Just it, it is so foreign to me now, but it's the only way that you actually make money is you have to make your face, your body into something that is a commodity as opposed to the actual care you provide. Because let's be real, anytime you listen to a business coach and it pisses me off, they'll they'll say things like, Oh, sure. There's already 7,000 people in this niche, but no one's doing it just like you. Right. Yeah, that's what we hear all the time. Right. Because I could go on Google and type in, for example, paleo diet. I'll find every resource I've ever wanted and more than I need. You know what I mean? Right. But if you truly believed in care, right, and I'm not saying that care is the paleo diet. I'm just saying that a lot of paleo people believe that their thing is the most caring way to way to or lifestyle to follow for your body. That's fine. So we'll assume that that's what you believe. Right. So if you truly believe that what you were doing was about care, then that article already existed. So why do you have to write another one? Right. It's there. The person is getting cared for. But it's about your brand and your website and your mailing list and your podcast and your program. So you have to write your article on the same subject to get rank higher, to get your brand and your money to be, you know, more. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And and I think it's so interesting because I I'm wondering if you know, half the people that are listening are going to be like, I don't know what you all are talking about. Like I have possible, uh, you know, because I think that <laughs> it's a little bit um, when you're in it, you're in it. And when you're not, mm-hmm. you're not. Exactly. I think it's a worthwhile conversation to have because I'm in it. And so I, I love lifting the veil on this stuff because for me, it, 
it connects so many things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that even talking about meditation, as I sometimes do on this show, I, I'm like, I don't know, Google it. Like there are a million things, do the practice. Like that's all you can do. I can't tell you anything. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I can share with you what my experience has been, but, and again, this is why I will not build an empire Mm -hmm. in this world, mostly Mm -hmm. because I don't care to do that kind of work in terms of shaping the message to fit a niche or whatever. And there's something really incredibly uncomfortable for me about the self-branding stuff. Like I've just never been good at, but now I feel fine about not being good at it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But what's interesting too is then when it comes to like in yoga, we talk about liberation, but you don't necessarily do it just for you. Like you're doing it uh, ideally, ostensibly for a society or for a culture. And, you know, maybe that's slightly less true in yoga where the ancient rishis went and lived in a cave and ascended and left their families to starve. But again, those were men. So who knows? Um, But you know, we have this opportunity now where there is a ton of knowledge out there. We should absolutely be very efficient in terms of the way we eat, breathe, exercise, live. Like all of that information exists. We should learn it and then move on. Yeah. But what yeah. we're stuck is we're not moving on. Mm-hmm. We're grabbing the information, wrapping it up in a package, slapping a sticker with our face on it and putting it back out there as opposed to great. Now I know this. Now I can be really efficient about doing what my real life's work is. Yeah. And I know you've talked about this when it comes to, you know, whether healthy eating and like eating disordered actions and following, I don't, don't, maybe diet culture can really just feed the beast for lack of a better term in terms of like, I know it now I'm going to say it, but I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. One thing you wrote that I read uh, was posting a meme is not doing the work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's an interesting way to kind of dive into social does. And you've already talked about this change the way we do action. Like, yeah. It's almost like action doesn't matter unless you've said you've done it. Yes. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I used to joke back when Facebook was still about friends, you know, if it's not on Facebook, it doesn't exist. And I still believe that, but in a very different way now. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, um, now I, I believe that we are, and this is why we're in the, the moment we're in politically, I think as well, because now it's all about who's the first person to post the most interesting thing on Twitter that goes viral. It's not about making change. And I don't think we're going to move away from that because people are addicted to it. When you said, you know, there are people who are in it and they're not going to hear it. Like, for example, okay, I believe that Fitbits are evil. Um, I believe that self-quantification is ruining our bodies and uh, our relationships with our bodies in general. Um, I believe it's basically teaching people how to have eating disorders. And I believe they're evil and they're bad for everybody. I, I just do. I think you. the only reason that you would need to use self-quantification is if you have some kind of heart condition that you need to monitor, right? Or you have some kind of sleep condition that you need to monitor. You don't need to worry about making your 10,000 steps. Just go do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. That's just how I feel. So I wrote an article about it like three years ago. And I got a call from a reporter who read it. 
And she said, do you think other people are talking about this? And I was honest. And I said, no, I I don't think a lot of people are ready to hear it. And she's like, oh, okay, thanks. And she hung up on me (laughs) because people are addicted to this stuff. They're addicted to this, uh, this constant hustle, this drive forward. Yeah. Well, sure. Organic community is, uh, you know what? I, as I'm talking about it, I was going to say organic community doesn't exist anymore, but Mm -hmm. I think that's not fair to say. I think organic community doesn't exist online. Yes. Anymore. And sadly, you know, I mean, maybe the internet isn't for what it used to be for. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's time to spend more time IRL (laughs) (laughs) and like build community with humans that you have contact with, you know, as opposed to just, I like your post, you like my post. I do think Mm -hmm. there's some value in it, right? Like I enjoy talking to you and we wouldn't have met had it not been for the internet. Oh, completely, completely. But there's something about if I want to have real community and I want to have workshops where people come and they and we talk about stuff and they learn something they didn't know before. And, you know, I'm going to have to just go meet people like real human people and not do it from a desk in my living room where (laughs) I'm imploring people to like me. Yeah. Because the con- the connections that you might build are with people who are interested in learning about something different or challenging their own paradigm or um, or disagreeing with you, which is also okay. Whereas online, it's all about people who already agree now. It's all about getting people to identify with you and building these these cults of personality. And for uh, people in care, care professions or wanting to move towards care, which is the health world. And I do think a lot of people believe that they're doing health because they're caring for others, right? Or showing others how to care for themselves. Um, But in the care world, you should want people to stop following you because the point is if they came to you and you helped them, they should be done with you. But instead, the internet has built these cults of personality. And it's actually why I stopped my podcast and stopped my blog, because I had all these women who were supposedly recovering from their eating disorders. But then they started following me and and following everyone who came onto my podcast. So all they did all day was listen to recovery podcasts and talk about recovery and be in the recovery world and go back to get their their coaching certificates so they could coach recovery and be in the Facebook groups and talking about recovery with women who weren't recovered. And it was like, so are you recovered? Or are you a recovery person? There's a difference. There's a huge, huge, huge difference. And that was my first indication that the cult of personality was actually hurting people because people who wanted to be friends with me or friends with the people that were on my podcast or involved in that suddenly had you know, their, their Instagram handle changed to body positive so-and-so or, you know what I mean? Or, or so-and-so in recovery or, you know what I mean? So we literally begin to mold our usernames, our hashtags, our lives around the cult. And it is a cult, all of them, all of our identities have become cults because of the internet. One of the best things that I have done in recent years is, I guess in this the recent months, I got on Meetup. I've been on Meetup for a long time, but I, I actually started going to Meetups. Um, this is the only social media that I'm like gung-ho about right now because it's not really social media. I joined a writer's group and I go to different writing meetups all around the Bay Area. And the cool thing is it's not health writers or recovery writers or whatever, right? It's just 
writers. So somebody's writing a book and somebody's doing a blog about sandwiches and, you know, like somebody, somebody's writing poetry on napkins and I'm working on my podcast and then we go and we talk and I learn about what they're working on and they learn about what I'm working on and we have conversations and we don't have to agree and we don't even have to like what the other person is doing. I've met some screenwriters. Uh, there's a screenwriter who's working on a really interesting project that I would totally watch if it gets made. And, you know, a financial blogger, <laughs> right? Like there's, it's so interesting to hear other people and not have it be about connecting over expertise, if that makes any sense. I like people, people are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Brands aren't people to go back to our brands and people thing. Like brands aren't people. And the more people act like brands, the less I like them. Yes, exactly. The concept of branding is that you are distilling things down to a singular message, right? Um, the whole point is to make it as clear and concise and easy to consume as possible and that you cannot build in other associations, right? Right. The company is trying to build this this purified message, if you will. Right. So that they can control as much of the message as possible. Obviously, that doesn't happen always. People build in their own associations. When you see a certain logo, you have a feeling that may not be what the company wanted you to feel. But in general, when you see a logo, you have a feeling. Right. And I feel like we've done that with identities now. And so anything that challenges an identity is now seen as an attack as opposed to a different viewpoint or a challenge. And it could be wrong and it could be misguided or whatever. But part of why we have so many fights online and and why people are becoming increasingly partisan and entrenched in very specific outlooks on the world is because, you know, if somebody writes an article that doesn't agree with your worldview 150%, you, you have to attack it because it's an attack on your identity, which is an attack on your brand. Any disagreement becomes personal because I now don't have a line in between my personal and my brand. So therefore, exactly. anything is. And I think what's interesting, too, is that it that particular model does not allow for learning or growth. Yeah, you have exactly. to always be the same thing is the alternative. So you're going to get off Facebook. What do you think? I don't know. What does it look like to live that life? Is it just simply like not really being on social media and then things will like, I I don't know. I can't, I know we can't prescribe that for the whole country, but do you think that there's a shift that could happen that could de-brand authenticity? Is that shift even possible anymore? No. No. (laughs) unless something catastrophic happens. Um, I'm not much of an optimist. I'm a realist verging on pessimism around this stuff. But I think too many people are bought in. And until capitalism is no longer our model, which is not going to happen because we, you know, I, I always talk about it like this, you know, we exist in a box, right? The box is patriarchal capitalist culture, right? And there is a world outside of the box potentially, but when you're in the box, you can't see it. So you don't know what it is. So you li- and, and anything outside the box is so foreign that you can't conceive of it. It's like, think of a color that's outside of Roji Biv. Right, right. Can, can you do that? No. I'm really. sure there are other colors on, you know, like they, like what is a UV, right? Like there are other colors. We cannot perceive them. It is physically, literally impossible. And so anything outside of the, the 
the box is like a color outside of the Roy G. Biv spectrum. So I'm sure there's something out there. It's just that while we're in the box, we can't make recommendations for what's outside of it because we don't know. And people in the box don't want you going out of the box to figure it out. Right. I, I know that sounds like super like theoretical, but it, it kind of is. It's like when when women are like cancel men and it's like, OK, great. So you want to be a man? Like, what what do you want? <laughs> what, right. Right. You know, it's nice to be like, let's repeal. But until you have a replace, we learned this in politics until you have an actual replace shouting about repeal doesn't do much except make people angry. If you got pissed at Republicans for being mad about um, repeal and replace, then you can't also then be a feminist going repeal men and not have a replacement or a feminist and be like repeal patriarchy or, you know, an anti-capitalist and be like repeal capitalism, right? Like you, you have to say, okay, so what do we do to replace it? And if we don't have a productive conversation about that, then we don't, then we're going to just be stuck here. And I think people are not in a place where they're ready to have that conversation. Do you think that I, I'm going to assume that there is a large portion of this country's population that adheres incredibly strongly to a very narrow set of beliefs and at the same time doesn't really care about their brand persona in social media. Yeah, but do you make money? I don't. Well, I mean, not on the internet. They're not going to make money in technology or social media. And I, I think uh, if, I'm, if I'm following where you're going with that, mm-hmm. our country's capital is going in that direction. There are fewer, yes. fewer people who, you know, are in the factories and on the farm and in those mm-hmm. more traditionally American ways of yeah. functioning. But, you know, if, you're, if you do work at a hospital or if you are a nurse or if you are a teacher, I mean, people are living. They may or may not care what their personal brand is. And at the same time, I think there's not necessarily any less chance that those people, I'm going to have too many double negatives. There's not necessarily (laughs) a greater chance that those people are open to compromise, right? I think something that's going on with our country is that we're so entrenched in in our ideas that, you know, you're talking about replace and repeal and replace requires compromise and an openness and a certain amount of of thinking that's porous, right? There's a semi-permeable membrane around our ideas so that they can function along with other people's ideas. And that's how a society works. And yet, Mm -hmm. I think social media is part of it, but I don't think it's the only reason why we are doubling down so hard and fast on our ideas and, and building walls around them that are impenetrable and therefore destined to not be part of compromise and then always be butting heads. And I don't know how we get past that part. Yeah, I don't either. I I don't know how we get past it. And what's scary is more and more people see the internet as a way to make money. And I'm specifically talking about nurses and teachers because things like Beachbody, how many, God, how many health coaches can there be in this world You know what I mean? How many of them can sell the 21 day fix or, you know, essential oils or whatever. But as we see fewer and fewer ways to actually make a living, I mean, you saw what was going on in West Virginia, right? With these teachers not getting paid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You strike and you get a 4% raise, but is that a living? And then what you're saying is then those people are going online to whatever, do a pyramid scheme or some other less, I don't want to 
call everything a pyramid scheme because that's Mm -hmm. rude at best. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they're going to those alternative means of community-based sales in order to, to fill in that gap so that they can live lives that are regular but they are in at the same time by the system forced into commodifying themselves. Yes, exactly. Literally within the last couple of weeks, I've talked to a woman who's selling. Mm -hmm. She joined, I I forget which one it is, but she joined some makeup MLM and quit being an ICU nurse. Wow. And now she feels like she has the energy to have a life and give back to her husband and her daughter. My, My sister told me about a friend who's a speech pathologist who's becoming a yoga teacher. I have talked to teachers who have quit teaching or who are considering quitting teaching to become beach body coaches. It is so pervasive. And the more we see it because we're online and we see people being rewarded for it. That's the authentic, the quote unquote authenticity thing that kills me is we see people being rewarded for it. And so it's just reinforced. So that's what, that's what I'm concerned about. And then of course that goes into performing that authenticity performs privilege, performs all of the things that, that, you know, we have problems with that are keeping our society inequal and uh or unequal and 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 toxic you know the things that are are pushing whiteness or you know privilege money whatever to the top we begin to perform it and what's interesting is in my podcast i actually have several women of color uh talking about their experience and trying to perform the same kind of authenticity and it is it's just sad to me because that's what we all see and that's what we all want and it's it it started just being toxic in like white communities and now it's trickling into, into communities of color and it is just, it's affecting all of us. It is making us all obsessed with capital and that capital comes from our brands and our brands come from our bodies if we want to get ahead. Otherwise we have to do what you said is put on the shoulder pads and go work like a man. Wow. (laughs) I'm just having a moment of like, well shit, that sucks, man. Yeah. This is what it's like in my head these days, by the way. I'm really sorry. Um. No, no, no. The the reason why I keep on, I'm I'm asking a lot of questions because I'm trying to find a hole. I'm trying to poke a hole in it. There are people out there who are doing it, but we have no visibility to them because they're just living their freaking lives. Uh They go to the grocery store and they do whatever. And, and hopefully they're, they've chosen and figured out some way to make enough money to buy those groceries, but it's not by performing health or performing wellness on the internet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we can't see it. So how do we know how to model it? You know, and that is the struggle, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think some of it, at least for myself, all the answer that comes to me is all I can do is practice my personal practice, like right, my personal practice yes. that I don't put on the internet. That's all I can do. And and make choices based on that knowledge and not based on fear or based on desire and wanting to belong and, you know, all of those ego-driven things, then that's all I can do. And if people on social media don't see it, well, great, like tough or good or whatever, whatever that, like, I can't, I'll have to let go of that to some extent. Yeah. And I mean, you know, here's the deal. Like, I'm not perfect. I don't I don't want anyone to think that I'm like some sanctimonious, like perfect person because I'm not. I am also a member of the capitalist society trying to build a business and put food on my table. To me, what I find a little bit hopeful is that 
you do know the difference between yourself and your brand. So here's where we're at. I've I've done the you know, the research on this end. Now what do we do to fix it? I don't know the answer. <laughs> but it's pretty um it's an interesting conversation to have though. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for having it with me. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think there's a lot more inquiry that can be made into this. And I, I wanna make sure that I am looking at all of the nuance with the right lens and not just with my knee jerk, like, holy cats, the world is ending and we just need to get off of everything and blow it all up. Right. Like maybe there's a a side of it that I don't see. And, you know, but that's also what the podcast is for is to hear the stories and to look at the evidence and say what is happening, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think landing on inquiry is a, is a great place to land. (laughs) And (laughs) I also want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to share where people can hear more from you. And I know it's marketing, but we're doing it. We're doing it. It is marketing. It is marketing. We're doing it full faced unabashedly. (laughs) I am going to be releasing this podcast. So that's at bodybrandpod.com. The website's not 100% finished, but it's up. It's alive. I just have to like fix some pictures and add some guests and stuff. But you can listen to the, the trailer for the podcast on there and then sign up for the email list, which is just so that I can tell you when the podcast comes out. That's the main thing. And then if people do want to see burlesque stuff um, on Instagram at performing woman. But other than that, I'm I'm really not doing much online these days. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think it's great. And I will say to anyone listening that despite your caveats about the current state of the podcast website, there's plenty to dig into there. And it's a fascinating place to visit and just dip your toe into the ideas that we've started to talk a little bit about today. So, um, you know, so stay tuned, I guess. Yeah. Or not, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or not feel free. You don't have to, or just go for a walk. What the hell? What are you people doing online anyway? Um, I love it. Do what you need to do, but I'm so excited (laughs) for this to be out in the world. I think it, you raise such fascinating questions. And it it has given me the opportunity to look at this world slightly differently. And I always, always appreciate that. Good. I'm glad. I just want people to look at it differently and just say, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if this is it. That's it. If nothing else changes, fine. I'm just glad that I brought it up, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I hope that made sense. I'm that definitely made sense. I'm so excited. Everything's coming up. Roses Bobby and for you. Oh yeah, and until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.